DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Begin Again, The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teachings about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of several books published by the Crossroads Publishing Company on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the Spiritual Teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Begin again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Gallagher, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Chris. When last we spoke, Venerable Bruno Lanteri was, I would say he was a deacon. It's about 1781, and he was about to go through a very important door in this portion of his life. Yes, this was obviously the uh, the threshold moment of his life. With the ordination to diaconate, he's now committed to the priestly life and is now just months away from his ordination. So it's a pivotal point in his life. Also because, as we saw last time, these were the years in which he was receiving spiritual guidance from Father Diesbach, that saintly Jesuit priest who became the principal influence in his life. So it's very much a, a threshold time in his life. He would compose a very important spiritual program for himself that really is, it, can you say it's a, it's a model for so many of us today? Well, it's one of these spiritual writings, the writer of which would have never, ever imagined that, what is it now, a few hundred years later, we would be discussing his pages in an interview like this. It was 24 manuscript pages, most of them written at the same time, but Others sewn in later on. So it was compiled gradually over some time, probably the fruit of different retreats and conversations in spiritual direction. And uh, obviously he treasured it because uh, we still have it. He kept it throughout all of his life. The manuscript is still there in the archive. And it was one of many privileges in writing the book to work with that, you know, to see the actual lines where he wrote it. He's young still. He's uh, in his early 20s when he's composing this, which itself is remarkable. Here is a man getting a hold of the spiritual practices and spiritual program that he'll keep for the rest of his life already at that age, which speaks to the richness of the Catholic formation he received in his family, and then early on through meeting such a wise and saintly priest like Father Diesbach. And he proposed, uh, when he put this together, to read it every month, go through the entire thing in the months that separated him from his priestly ordination which is a way of saying that he really wanted to take this to heart. These were not just pious thoughts that were written and then left in a notebook for the rest of his life, but this was the stuff of the way he was going to live and, in fact, did live spiritually from then on throughout his life. What would comprise this spiritual program? What were the practices he would endeavor to participate in? Well, the heart of it was the very clear realization that God is the center of our life, that we are from God, we are for God, that God contains the, the infinite good that our hearts seek. As he wrote in that spiritual program, God alone can satisfy me and make me happy. 
and then wanted to take that very seriously. If that's true, then God would be the center, which, as we can see, and as we'll see in his life, does not mean that he loved people or places or occupations the less, but all the more genuinely and richly, because God was always the center. And from the love of God and the grace of God, a richness went out that blessed all of his relationships and activities in life. He also was struck by the fact that the truths that guided the lives of the saints remain true for us all. And the fact that that is that God is at the center and that holiness is our vocation and eternal life is our goal and all the rest of the truths that guided the lives of the saints and led them to a life of holiness, that those were equally true for him and equally true through all the years of his life. This was not just a pious moment or the fervor of a retreat at a young age in his life, but these would be truths that would guide him forever throughout his life. And so the consequence is that he wants to give himself totally to God. And he wants to do that unashamedly and unafraid to appear even publicly as deeply, fully dedicated to Christ and to his Catholic faith at whatever the price that would bring with it, he was willing to pay it. So in terms of practices, obviously his mass is very much at the heart of it. It's something I didn't get into in the biography because you just couldn't go into everything, but he has a, a very detailed program of how he wants to, in his case, celebrate Mass. For many of us, it would be assist at Mass. It would work either equally either way. So, for example, when he's saying the Gloria, to think of the angels on that Christmas day praising and glorifying God and to have a heart like those angels had at that time or in listening to the readings at Mass, to see himself as a disciple present when Jesus was speaking to his people. And have that kind of heart, you know, what they would have felt, the kind of attention, the openness, the taking in of the word that they would have experienced in the living presence of the Lord Jesus, to have that kind of heart as he's listening to the readings or proclaiming them in the Mass, and so on, at the Creed, to be like the martyrs who were willing to give their lives for the faith. And then he says very beautifully, at communion, the dispositions of a lover, simply one who is loved and loves in reply. Now, that's just one little window into how carefully he has thought out, because he did this for all of the spiritual practices of his life, how he would uh, pray the breviary, the liturgy of the hours, the time he would spend before the Blessed Sacrament, and very fundamentally his daily time of meditation. All of that's very carefully prepared and thought out. The examination of conscience and the things he would focus on and all the rest. It's a very detailed well-prepared and very practical program that once in place, as it is at this point in his early 20s, he'll try to live for the rest of his life and then will transmit to many others the countless men and women who came to him for spiritual guidance. In the spiritual program written in this time of great reflection by him, there is nothing that's being proposed that is so rigorous that it's beyond his everyday activities. He's not trying to set up high benchmarks for himself, is he? No, this is not someone who is in the higher mansions, for example, of St. Teresa of Avila at this stage of his life, at least. It's someone who is very humbly beginning and very willing to begin humbly and begin concretely. And so all of these practices easily translate into any spiritual life today. So, for example, if daily Mass, or at times during the week at least as possible, 
a certain amount of spiritual reading, which he will recommend to everyone. And again, as we've said before, that could easily expand today to digital and electronic means of podcasts and listening to the faith and so on. But some kind of spiritual nourishment every day, the examination of conscience, some kind of meditation on the truths of our faith every day. All of these things are, are they're really just the staple of the spiritual life. And what's striking in his case is that he sees it all so clearly and that he puts together a doable practical program, sets out to get rooted in this and to live this as faithfully as he can, has regular contact with the spiritual guide with whom he can talk about how this is going, adapt and adjust it as he needs. It's the engine of his sanctity. He lived in such tumultuous times. It's hard for us to imagine at a distance of 200 years now just how catastrophic and tumultuous and shattering the times in which he lived where nations were bathed in revolution and and bloody revolutions, wars, endless wars of conquest and reconquest. The church persecuted, the Holy Father held prisoner and all the rest. And in the midst of this year after year, decade after decade in his life, Venerable Bruno simply tries to be faithful to these daily spiritual practices. You can say that this is really what made him a saint. It's really what gave him the courage and the energy and the spiritual life to face the many things around him and in his own life, struggles of health and all the rest. How wonderful it is that he wrote it down, that he would make it a part of the practice to go back and to reflect on it month after month, year after year. The, the value of, for us in doing that, especially when it's written in those times of apparent spiritual consolation, so that we can use that as a touchstone when we begin to feel the challenges that may come with desolation, for example, or just the struggles of just the challenges of everyday life. That writing it down was is so very important, isn't it? When you write something down, you possess it more deeply. Uh, that's something that, well, I'm I'm a writer. Writing is in my blood. And it's something that I find very helpful in the spiritual life as well, but not only I, many, many people do. The difference between having, for example, a thought that, you know, it would be good if I were to do this, or it would be helpful if I were to undertake that practice. The difference between a fleeting thought like that and taking that thought and actually sitting down and writing it is enormous. As I say, we possess it, we see it, we enter into it much more deeply. It's It, it becomes more lasting. The written word is something we can go back to as something that will remind us again. This idea of choosing a few effective, helpful spiritual practices that are possible for me in whatever vocation God has called me to live and writing them down and then reviewing them periodically and trying humbly and sincerely to put them into practice is among the most effective things we can do in the spiritual life. Uh, Because a simple resolution like that, as you say, Chris, made in a time of light or consolation or clarity, is a lifeline in the darker times. It's something that's always there and can see us through. So a resolution to spend this many minutes every day with Scripture or to get to daily Mass on these days of the week uh, when it's possible for me to do it, 
or to say the rosary if only uh, driving back and forth from work, if that's the, the one time I can do it, or to listen to a recorded talk about the faith, or as uh, Venerable Bruno would say to one married woman, to read at least one page from a spiritual book every day. These kinds of resolutions make all the difference in giving us a structure that's sustainable. The classic principle in the spiritual life is that if we want to have a growing spiritual life, we need both structure and spirit. That is, if we have spirit, that is, we have the intention, the desire, but it has no structure, no concrete shape, it's not going to last. If all we have is is structure, things to be done, but without the warmth and the love of the heart, the spirit that gives them life, then the structure becomes heavy, and we won't sustain that either. If we have both together a heart that desires to love God, that seeks holiness, that wants to live the vocation God has given us fully, and we shape a practical, simple, effective structure to help us live that, then the spiritual life really will grow. And you see that eminently throughout the entire life of Venerable Bruno. We'll return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Councils of Mercy, an excerpt from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Above all, I recommend with all my heart that you guard against discouragement, disturbance, and sadness. Seek always to keep your poor heart in peace and encourage it, and always to serve God with holy joy. Be of good heart, because the Lord is with you, and he loves you. For more excerpts from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit discerninghearts.com. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. 
please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher. It's so compelling as you read this because if you were just to look at the spiritual program and its methodology, it could look like a structure for study and learning. And yet when you read the deeper part of it, he's entering into a relationship the way he desires to encounter not only God, but also the saints, even the relationship he would speak of of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I mean, this is, as you've just said, it, this is something different. It's a, it's a program to encounter the holy. Yes, everything has to come, as you say, from relationship. Everything starts from relationship. That's ultimately what all prayer is, is a relationship. It's two persons in relationship, the human person and the divine, the God whom we do not see with our physical eyes, but whose presence we know through faith, and the human heart, the divine and the human person in relationship. And you really pick up so well on that, Chris, that at the heart of all of this is a love, is a fire, is a thirst, is a longing to receive love and to love in return. But then, as we've said, in all things human, you know, if you want to learn to, to play the piano well, you've got to set aside time every day to practice. If you want to learn to uh, master a sport, again, study has to go into this and thought and conversation with someone who can teach me and time set aside to, to grow in the skill. That, that's what I mean, Chris, in saying that um, something that Venerable Lanteri really uh, exemplifies for us, the clear sense that the love, the relationship, the fire, the desire will deepen, will be sustained and grow and deepen if it finds the right kinds of structures to support it and guide it. That, that's really just a consequence of the fact that God has made us both body and soul. We're not just soul. All things, even spiritual things, need to be incarnate if they're going to last. Once ordained, do you feel, Father Gallagher, that the then Father Lanteri, that program, that relationship, that fostering, and also fueled his love for hearing confessions and facilitating being that bridge between the penitent and the mercy of God. That was very much 
at the heart of his entire ministry. You know, his voice was weak, as we've said before. He was not ever able to stand before large crowds and, and to preach. His whole ministry, or almost all of it, was a one-on-one ministry, or at the most, ministry with small groups, maybe in retreat settings. And it was enormously effective that countless men and women came to him in the confessional. He would, once he received permission to hear confessions, which was granted three years after his ordination, that was the pastoral practice in the Archdiocese of Turin in his time, that three more years of study of moral theology ordination before the priest was able to hear confessions. So that when at age 26 he, he was now able to hear confessions, he began a ministry that would only grow throughout his life, as long as his health uh, permitted. He would, he would go into the hospitals to hear confessions, and even uh, this was something that could take place in a Catholic culture, as was his, at least nominally Catholic, he would go into the prisons and hear confessions. He was available to people in his own home, the apartment where he lived, so that as one of his companions and one of those younger priests whom he trained in a life of holiness said of him, it almost seemed that he never stopped. Uh, He was constantly available to people for confessions, and this in spite of the poor health which always weighed on him. The impact of this was uh, incalculable. I think I've quoted earlier in these conversations how when the French now were occupying uh, his little kingdom of Piedmont, one of the French police back to his superior in Paris saying that uh, that uh, Father Lanteri is one of the most sought-after confessors in the entire city. And great numbers of men and women from all ranks, including the highest ranks in the, in the culture, went to him for confession. One of the witnesses said that those who throughout the years of the persecution of the church and under, under the oppression of the French occupation, throughout those almost 20 years remained faithful to the church in the city of Turin. Almost all of them were marked by the fact that they received spiritual guidance from Father Lanteri. It was an enormously effective one-on-one and sacramental ministry in his life. And yet, Father Gallagher, when you think about that, it you're dealing with so many different people with so many different situations. Uh, Again, the the flux of what was going on in the country, the political situation. How else can you stay so balanced if not without that structure? Well, it's a striking witness to the power of the sacrament of confession. Uh, I'll just share a personal thought for a moment that as the years of my life go by, I find myself becoming increasingly grateful for this sacrament. I've always understood, you know, esteemed, obviously, its place. And, but to receive the forgiveness of God and the, the peace of heart that brings and the freedom to take the next steps in the spiritual life is something that is uniquely powerful in our spiritual lives. Sometimes I think what happens is we find ourselves carrying certain burdens something that weighs on that relationship. It doesn't stop the relationship. It doesn't stop us from praying faithfully, from living a life of the sacraments and trying to serve the Lord in our vocation, but it does weigh on it. Uh, and here is this open door in the sacrament of confession, the the Lord waiting to to lift those burdens in a way that gives us new joy and energy and hope and freedom to to love and serve the Lord. This was something that Venerable Bruno 
lived very deeply, both in his own life. He was very faithful to receiving the sacrament of confession himself throughout all his life, and even more frequently in the last weeks, last few months and weeks of his life, but throughout all of his life. And it was something that he made as available to others as he was able. And in the way in which he heard confessions, not only did people receive sacramental absolution, but there were elements of spiritual direction. In fact, in his time, the, the, his what we call a spiritual directee or somebody who is guided by a spiritual director, in the language of his time, they were called penitents, people who were his penitents, people who came to him in the sacrament of confession. But in that context, received in addition to sacramental absolution, also guidance for their spiritual lives. The way I think we could imagine it would be if one of us with a burden or an uncertainty in his or her heart were to go into a church and when at, at a time when confession was available, and there's a priest that we don't know, but we want to receive the sacrament of confession. And so uh, we go into the confessional, uh, share what we have to say to the priest, and then find that we're deeply understood, that this is a priest who really knows and understands the experience that I've shared, and a priest who has very clear, specific, helpful answers to the questions and the uncertainties that I've voiced. So that I leave the, the, the uh, confession not only with the joy of forgiveness, but with a very clear sense of these are the steps that I can take that are going to take me to the next level. Leaving the confessional, very likely say to ourselves, I'm coming back to this priest. This was enormously helpful. That's what people experienced when they went to the Venerable Bruno in confession. And that's why so many, such great numbers of them did. One of the witnesses also describes uh, how people would go to confession to Venerable Ann Terry and then would always leave with their hearts in consolation. You can see why so many people flocked to him and the, the enormous good that he did through the sacrament in the church. So much that would help sustain him would be found in that wonderful spiritual program that he penned in those early years of his ministry. Yes, why don't we just look at maybe a line or two from uh, what he wrote there. I'll quote one paragraph because this is the whole theme of the book and much of his spiritual guidance. I will not allow myself to be discouraged, which he would say over and over again to people, that's the great danger in the spiritual life. That's the great obstacle when we do let ourselves get, get discouraged. And so he will always, over and over again, you see in his letters of spiritual direction, he is asking people to be on guard against discouragement as the real enemy. And if we use Ignatian language, as you did a moment ago, Chris, that would be spiritual desolation. If God is for me, who can be against me? Quoting Romans chapter 8. Though I fall a thousand times, each time, even the thousandth, I will rise again as peacefully as if it were the first, knowing my weakness and knowing, Lord, your great mercy. And so he goes on to say, if I should fall even a thousand times a day, a thousand times with peaceful repentance, I will say immediately, now I begin, my God, my God. It's that irrepressible spirit of hope in God's mercy that sustains the whole structure of these practices. He sets them up wisely. He fully intends to live them faithfully. But he begins this knowing that he's going to fail, knowing that he's going to fall. 
And not once, but ten times, a hundred times, even a thousand times. But every time is with, with peaceful repentance, as he says, knowing the, the deep love and mercy and, re, and warmth of our God. He is going to get up again and continue on the path. And it was that that got him through the 50 remaining years of his life. This program remained in place, essentially, in his life, with variations and changes a little bit here and there as time went on, with all the ups and downs of health and life and the situation of his nation. But he faithfully persevered, never letting himself get discouraged if he should fail. And it led him to a heroic sanctity recognized by the church in declaring him venerable in 1965. I'm looking forward to our future conversations because I think what we're going to see is that in this particular spiritual program, it will be an important rock, and I've used the term before, touchstone, because his life will have many challenges and there will be struggles, and he's going to show us how to persevere through it, won't he? It's remarkable that the revolution is happening around him and armies are sweeping through the country and he continues to resolve to be faithful to his daily time of meditation, to really praying his mass, to spiritual reading, the examination of conscience. It really is what got him through. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Begin Again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We pray that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Begin Again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. <laughs>